When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Mornings are for coffee and contemplation. Coffee and contemplation. Drink the coffee, it'll make you feel better. Sir, do you realize that you're not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystal? What? Picks you up, calms you down, it's the lifeblood that drives the dreams of champions. Now he's been down in the basement drinking coffee for about the last four hours, and he should be all ready to go. I'll, I'll call him up. Welcome to College Football Monday, brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. This is a Sons of Saturday live show, and I'm your host, PB. I come to you each and every week to talk about what's been going on in college football across the nation, and especially a heavy dose of what the Hokies are up to. In this episode, we are going to recap what happened this past Saturday, including the win over Wake. And I'm going to get to that actually right after this intro, because we haven't won many games in the last two years, and it deserves to be talked about first. And later in the show, as always, I will go over the AP poll as well as my playoff four. In the meantime, hop in the chat. Make sure to like the video. It helps us out if you like the video. Uh, we're, I'll let give some time here, get some people, more people in the show. And of course, subscribe to the channel. If you're watching on Twitter, try to hop over to YouTube. It helps us out. It's easier for uh, for engagement and whatnot. So if you're watching on Twitter, please jump over to YouTube and, and we'll get to that hokey game in just a second. It was a wild week seven. Several good games. We had a Hail Mary to beat West Virginia in the Houston game. Colorado blew a 29 to nothing lead against Stanford. And that was all before Saturday even started. So it was it was a cool, was a cool weekend. Some of the bigger games were a little bit more tame. Uh, they could have been more exciting. Oregon and Washington, I think, lived up to the hype. I'll get to that in a second. But, but yeah, it was it was a fun weekend as always. College football delivers each and every week. VT corner. Let's get to it. Virginia Tech thirty, Wake Forest seventeen. It took a little while for the offenses to get going. We had a lot of jokes about the zero zero after the first quarter, but we eventually got out to a ten nothing lead. Before Wake scored on the kick return, we answered right back with the lane touchdown. That was really clutch to just answer right back with that. We went up 17 to nothing at the half, 17 to 10 at the half, excuse me. And then we shut Wake down in the second half, added a couple field goals and a touchdown to win 30 to 13. The story of the game was our stifling defensive performance. And the continued development of Chiron Jones. That's that's a, the two-parter there, but the defense really came to play. I'll go to the offense first. 462 offensive yards. That was the most the Hokies have had versus an FBS opponent since Brent Pry became head coach. 380 total yards for Chiron Jones. We had over 300 passing, over 50 rushing. Only the third time that's been done, I think, ever. Um, it was Brian Randall, 2004, and Gerard Evans did it twice. But So the third quarterback in Virginia Tech history to throw for 300 and rush for 50, that's that's pretty cool. Yes, no, Michael Vick never did it. Logan never did it. I'm actually more surprised Logan never did it because he had a lot of high passing performances early in his career. But it was weird because Chiron played really well. I thought just watching the game, 
what was he, 20 for 29, that he was playing really well. His QBR wasn't so good. I'm interested to see how the PFF grade comes out. I didn't get a chance to take a look at that one yet, but it sometimes one is higher than the other, and I would hope after that performance, the PFF grade is higher than the QBR. You can just tell by watching him, and this is the bigger takeaway from yet another Hokie win, another FBS win, or I should say Power 5 win. He just looks like the guy. Chiron could be really special for this team. We're still talking about the first handful of starts for this guy. And he's Bowen made him throw the ball. And it was a little bit more, especially early in the game, than I probably would have liked to see passing the football. But you can't argue with the results. What, what we put out there offensively was really good. We scored 30 points again. That makes three times this year, which is great, considering we couldn't do it at all last year. Jalen Lane was fantastic. Just three catches in the game, but two touchdowns, including that slant pattern that just came cutting across the field. And he, his speed cutting through those two, those two defenders, man, he is, he is really good. Uh, we haven't done too much of that. And it just worked to perfection. Steven Gosnell, he was the safety valve in this game. Six catches for 75 for him. He continues to impress, continues to live up to that offseason hype of him having the best offseason he's ever seen anyone have. That's what Fontel Mines said about Steven Gosnell. And he continues to play consistent, get open for Chiron. And, and on those third downs, those critical downs, he's there ready for a pass. Tootin had a long pass play in this game. Not as many touches as I'd like for Tootin, but they were stuffing the rush quite well. Wake was. That was clearly a focus. Daquan Wright had a 33-yarder. See, you throw in Steven Gosnell's catches, you throw in the lane catches, Wright. There's a few others. We had some more explosive plays, and that's what I'm loving to see. And in this game, it wasn't Chiron having to rush for 40 yards. You know, he was doing it through the air. We had receivers getting open. That, that is a really nice sign because as teams decide, okay, we're going to shut down Chiron's run, we're going to shut down Tootin. We're going to make him throw to beat us. Well, this was encouraging in that regard. Our defense came to play, as I said earlier. They had seven sacks and just created a ridiculous amount of havoc. There were a few fumbles, three turnovers in the game for the Hokies. They had to bench Griffiths, and they went to Michael Kern. Neither one of those quarterbacks was any good, and we just kept bringing the heat. 13 tackles for loss, just 35 rushing yards. For Wake Forest, it was a thing of beauty. And after Florida State, where we start to think, okay, the bad rushing defense is back. We thought we had it figured out against Pitt. Pitt just stinks. Well, we came right back against Wake here and had a tremendous defensive performance against the rush. So Florida State might be in a different class, and we, we kind of know that they are. They have better athletes. Benson's a great back. But this was encouraging for the Rushdie and something they probably really needed. Uh, I, I'm guessing the coaches were really challenging those guys this week. This is the first time we held a team without an offensive touchdown since the 2019 Pitt game where we shut them out. I got that from Andy Bitter, but that's awesome. Their only touchdown came on that run back, which without that, they probably wouldn't be competitive in the game at all. APR had four sacks himself. So I said we had seven as a team, but four of them, or Anton Powell Ryland, which is just outrageous. 
So outrageous. In fact, only one other Virginia Tech player has ever done that. And that was defensive line coach J.C. Price, who was a monster back in his day. So APR is now up to seven sacks on the year for him personally, which is our highest total since 2016. I think Kenna Canham had seven and a half that year. So if APR gets one more sack, you have to go back to the Frank Beamer era to find an individual player on Virginia Tech who had a higher sack total. Now that speaks to some of the struggles we've had at defensive end, at defensive tackle, getting sacks, at least for one player over the year. We usually do pretty well as a team, but we haven't had a single player get eight sacks since 2014. So it this is really encouraging. And he's got, what is it, five games left to do it? I think double digits could be in the cards for Antoine Powell Ryland this year, which was one of Robbie's predictions. So that's pretty cool. The special teams did give up the return TD, but when that's all the other team can muster, I don't feel so bad about it. And we had our own special teams play. The fake punt in at the end of the third quarter, that was a critical moment because we had been struggling a bit. The defense was having to keep coming on the field and shutting them down. Gave them a chance to rest. We convert, and it led to a field goal. Yeah, you want seven, but that field goal to put us up 10, it was 20 to 10 at that point. It felt like that was an insurmountable lead for Wake, and it turned out to be just that. So I've got a couple comments here. Let's see. (laughs) I was in the stands, and to be honest, the way the defense was playing, the way we were moving the ball after the first quarter, I actually never felt concerned. That was from Devin. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, we, it, that 10 point lead felt comfortable. Thank you, Devin, for that comment. And then we got Trevor Mays here, minus the kickoff return. It was great to see all three faces of the game come together finally. And I couldn't agree more. This was a complete victory. And it was the second game in the last three where we looked more prepared than the other team. We looked like better coached throughout the game a more complete, a totally complete game. And so the fact that now in our last three games, I have to figure out, well, which game was the more complete game, the pit game or the weight game? Well, that is an awesome conversation to have because I feel like this one was a little bit more complete because we didn't give up as many points, especially offensively to wake offensively. But man, that's, that feels good. That feels good to say because There were real concerns after Purdue, Rutgers, Marshall. Can this coaching staff figure it out? Can they figure it out? Is this the right coaching staff? Is this the right coordinators? And there's going to be questions that come up. Wake has been a not very good team. It's one of the reasons that Robbie and I were optimistic about getting this victory. Nevertheless, when you come out and you beat a bad team by 17, we did the same thing to Pitt. That's what you're supposed to do. And that's what we did. And our coaches and players looked prepared. And that was, it's a huge relief. This is from Alex Bunnell. How can Virginia Tech clean up the third down conversion percentage? It's pretty bad still. It is pretty bad. I think it will improve, continue to improve as Lane is back with the offense. I know it's been a couple games, but you're starting to see him get so comfortable. And him and Gosnell are the players on third down that will be clutch. Typically, you would lean on a tight end. Our tight ends are good. Benji and Wright are still just second-year players. And I think as they improve and as the 
wide receivers and drones continue to develop that rapport, that third down conversion percentage will get better. We got another comment from Devin here. I'd argue that's still a product of a young quarterback. More snaps and third down situations will solve that. And yeah, that, that's essentially what I was getting at. Is it comes down to the quarterback being more mature. We A couple weeks, I think it was with Colby, we were talking about Dylan Gabriel and how he won that, that Texas game. Experience does matter. And so he's going on raw ability right now. And the fact that he couldn't win the starting job to start the year shows you maybe like he wasn't so sharp in practice and whatnot. He needs game reps. Chiron does. And as he gets them, I think we'll see all those fringe aspects of the offense start to come together even more, which is really exciting if we can get the defense to play like this. I think I covered everything I need to cover about this game. Before I go over it with Rob in a couple of days, we are going to go over the weight game in detail on our two deep show. We have a buy this week, so we won't be previewing Syracuse until the following week. We might get into a little bit and talk about just how our bowl eligibility looks because it's starting to get, I'm getting more optimistic. We got BC, we got UVA, NC state doesn't look very good. Syracuse looks winnable. Louisville. Just had an injury to, to Jawar Jordan and came crashing back down to earth versus Pitt. I'll talk about that shortly. Bowl is seeming possible. We need three more wins. And some of the teams we play are not very good teams. And so if our coaches can continue to look like the more prepared coaches, the more prepared players against bad teams, we can win those games. BC on the road still scares me. But that's a, that's a game we can win. We know we're going to turn Charlottesville into Lane Stadium North. We're going to come away with that victory. I feel pretty good about that one. NC State, I'm going to that one a couple weeks. That's a very beatable team. Very, very beatable team. Duke, that was an easy play. Duke beating NC State, they just 24-3 to or something like that. NC State is not very good, man. They weren't competitive in that game. And then Syracuse. Syracuse is falling apart. They don't have any weapons right now. And that's next Thursday night. So the schedule is starting to lay out well. I am so encouraged by what I've seen from Chiron Drones. Do we still have issues? Absolutely. Some of the play calls from Bowen could be better. But Marv showed me a little something in this game. I was happy to see that. The team does seem to be coming together as we've gotten more healthy. What do you know? And uh, it's, (laughs) it's fun to watch. It's fun to win. And so... I'm, I'm pleased with that. All right, let's move on to some other games, and I'll come back to VT probably at the end of the show a little bit. Washington beat Oregon 36-33. to This game pretty much went exactly as expected. Two heavyweight teams going at it, back and forth affair. I thought Washington was for sure going to win. Then it seemed like Oregon was for sure going to win, and then Washington capitalizes on an Oregon mistake. At least that's the way I viewed it. And they end up scoring and, and winning the game at the end. Penix had four touchdowns. He is just so good, including the game winner. 89.2 QBR for him. 541 total yards from Oregon. No turnovers. 31 first downs. They out first downed Washington. First downed. <laughs> but they still lost. And they were 0 for 3 on fourth down. And that has been much talked about. Dan Lanning's taking a lot of heat for the calls he made on fourth down to go. He was trying to win the game. 
he's on the road. I don't fault him too much, but man, that was both these teams are good. And it's really making me consider putting one of them into my playoff four. And you're like, well, Washington just won. Like, wouldn't you want to put Washington in your playoff four? It's not that simple. I'll, I'll get to that later. USC fell apart in South Bend. Caleb Williams did not look like a Heisman winner. They lost 48 to 20. Three interceptions for Williams. Hartman threw for 126 yards. This wasn't the quarterback battle that we were all kind of hoping to see. And again, Notre Dame kind of struggles offensively. They did enough. And SMA was very good, but just 251 yards of offense for Notre Dame against a USC defense that you know, I think, is not good at all. So I'm not sure what happened with the ND offense. They really didn't need it. Five turnovers helped them immensely. They kept getting short fields. They kept scoring. And it was never really close. The Notre Dame defense absolutely played great, giving up just 302 yards to Caleb Williams and USC. Six sacks for them. I do worry about the Notre Dame offense going forward. They already have two losses. They're having a hard time sustaining jives. They were just three for 10 on third down in this game, Notre Dame was. And they got pit next. <laughs> so that, that should be that should be interesting. And then they play at Clemson. I'm curious about uh about how that that you that Clemson game's gonna go. But USC is catching at least two more losses, was kind of my takeaway from this. They still have a number of tough games on the schedule. At least you could rely on their offense, and that kind of went away in this game. USC, they're 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 fraudulent. I don't know what's quite happening with them. It's kind of a having a weird season. I know it's because it, I thought at first it was just the defense, but it's it, there's something off with the chemistry. I'm just checking out a comment here. I'm not sure I quite understand what he's saying here. William McCown told you before the game, Pete. Still have some. Oh yeah, we figured it out and some gut-wrenching WTFs, LOL. Yeah, that's probably what will happen as we go on here. Some oh yeah, we got this and then no, we're it's 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 over to we're back. That that constant back and forth with the Hokies, I could see that. Going to UNC against Miami. They kind of blew up on Miami in that third quarter. They won 41 to 31. Drake May four four touchdowns. This was the first time he didn't throw for 70% completion percentage, but he still had an awesome game. Tez Walker, 150 yards total. How much do they love getting him eligible? Jeez, three touchdowns for him. TVD was good on the other side for Miami, but he threw two interceptions. One was critical. At, le at least one was very critical. And it just seems like UNC and Florida State are on this collision course for the ACC title game. Duke is undefeated. In conference, they get Florida State next. And Duke looks strong against NC State. I do think NC State stinks, but like Duke could beat Florida State. They could. That defense is good. And Florida State, they were messing with Syracuse just a bit. They ended up opening it up. Florida State's not a perfect team. And Elko has those guys playing really well. I am so curious, even without Riley Leonard, what could happen with that Duke-Florida State game. Pitt beat Louisville. I mentioned it 38 to 21 on the CW. Hope you guys were all locked in. Charmed came on and then the game was on. So that was sweet, but Pitt got the win and it would be crazy if it wasn't so damn predictable. I think 
Robbie Colby and I talked about it, and then Robbie and I both took Pitt against the spread last week. Louisville was coming off a big win. Pitt had a bye week. They're using a new quarterback. It was the perfect Pitt spot, and that's exactly how it played out. Now, it helped. Jawar Jordan got injured and didn't play the entire second half, which if he didn't play versus the Hokies, I wouldn't be so upset because that, that running back is really good. And I said last week, like, what could he do to our rush defense? But it helped Pitt out. And they did what Pitt does best, and that's come up in a spot that seems extremely unlikely, and they got the dub. The Beavers took down Chip Kelly's UCLA. Always love to see Chip Kelly go down. That was with relative ease as well. I mean, that was a game some of the people I was listening to, Cannell and Buddy Elliott and them, they like UCLA. Like, there's a lot of te- guys, analysts, that like UCLA more than I do, and I can't quite figure out why because UCLA never seems good when I watch them. So good win by Oregon State. They move up in the polls. Bama got out to a decent lead on Arkansas, and they kind of needed it because that game ended 24-21. I thought Bama would win that game and probably cover. But Arkansas is a weird team. Jefferson is a big, tough guy, as, as, as Nick Saban talked about, throwing guys around. And Milrow was okay. He kind of floated some balls, but he got the win. And it'll be... I still think that that Georgia is not playing amazing. Now, the win against Kentucky is misleading because I don't I I got fooled by Kentucky because I don't think they're very good. I didn't think they were very good. They go out and they crush Florida. They get stomped by Georgia. Then they lose to Mizzou this weekend. Kentucky stinks. And so I Georgia is mystifying to me because they messed around with Vandy a little bit. Brock Bowers took an ankle injury. That could be huge. Uh, I I don't think it's like anything super serious, but we'll find out soon enough. Neither of these teams is is perfect, Bama or Georgia. So I think they're both heading to the title game. Although LSU, man, Jaden Daniels is scaring me. LSU made easy work of Auburn. That was one that we all liked Auburn to cover that larger spread did not happen. LSU led the entire time. Jaden Daniels is just absurd. The numbers he's putting up are ridiculous. And so LSU, despite having a loss or two, I think that, yeah, they're the highest. They've got two losses. They look maybe like they're the best team in the SEC West and maybe the best team in the SEC. It's Their defense isn't good, so I'm going to give the edge to Bama right now, and I'll talk about my playoff four later. But, man, that's that's going to be a fun race to watch. Tennessee beat A&M 20-13 after being down early. Good for Tennessee. Uh, A&M, they've had, they've had a little bit of a rough go lately, and it was a good spot for Tennessee. So they, I felt like they probably should have won the game, but they did. Not too much to speak of in that one, but a good win for Tennessee. I said Mizzou bounced back against Kentucky. They dominated that fourth quarter. Uh, not a ton of offense, but Mizzou got some big plays and capitalized off turnovers. And I talked about how I I just don't think Kentucky's very good. (laughs) This is a good comment from Devin. Put Air Force in the playoff. Yeah, Air Force got a big win against Wyoming. And I do think it was perfect timing for Air Force against that Wyoming team because Wyoming just came off a big win. But nevertheless, they've been crushing their opponents and they beat a very good Wyoming team. So kudos to Air Force. I'm going to talk about the G5 here. 
uh, in a little in a little bit when I get to the AP poll. Just a few more scores. Arizona smacked Washington State. What happened to Wazoo here? Fafita, that's Colby's guy, threw for a ton of yards. Jonah Coleman had three touchdowns, 160 total yards. Fafita with that 90 QBR. He is now 13th in the country in QBR on the season. So Arizona has a quarterback, and they're kind of good. They get Oregon State next, UCLA at home. Both those games are at home, actually. Beavers and UCLA. They could win both of those. Colorado at Colorado. Well, we saw what happened to Colorado. We'll talk about that in one second. Utah at home. It's always better when you play Utah at your own place. And then ASU on the road. Arizona, like, they're not catching either of the two big boys down the stretch. They, they could spoil... Oregon State's year, UCLA's year, uh, mess around with Utah. That, that could be a fun one. I like what I'm seeing from Arizona. Don't talk about those Arizona schools too, too much, but we have these past two weeks. I said Colorado blew it to Stanford, 40, 46 to 43, lost in double overtime. QB Ashton Daniels for Stanford, he went toe-to-toe with Shador. Four t- TDs for him, five for Shador. Both had 440 total yards. Travis Hunter was absurd. He's back from injury. 13 receptions, 140 yards, two touchdowns for him. Weaver had two touches. I like that Weaver kid. They The weapons on the outside for Colorado are, are dirty. But A.O. Menor, Alec A.O. Menor, I want to say is his name, the wide receiver for Stanford, he stole the show. 294 yards on 13 catches, including that one where he went over the helmet and caught it for a touchdown. Three touchdowns for him. Good for the future ACC member here, Stanford. They needed a win. They got one. And Colorado is now four and three. They're probably a six-loss team. Maybe more. I mean, their offensive line is so bad. They have given up the most sacks in the country. They've given up the most sack yardage in the country by over 100 yards. They have like 300 and some sack yards. No one. The highest next team is like 208. And so Shodor needs to get rid of the ball more. I don't know exactly what's going on, but that offensive line is terrible in Colorado blowing that lead. Like they should have won that game. They should be five and two, but now they're four and three and it, it changes things for them. They, could they not go bowling? It's possible. It's possible. The PAC 12 is very good. They'll probably get to a bowl, but I think this is a six loss team at least. Before I get to ACC notes and some other notable games, because there was, handful of other things I want to talk about here. At the top of the show, I mentioned our sponsor. College Football Monday is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. Who doesn't love supporting a local family owned and operated business? That's what you're getting with McCoy's. Established in 1980, they offer full service, including including major and minor repairs. They do oil changes, state inspections, rebuilds of your engine or transmission, diesel repair, fleet service, and more. They sell just about every tire. So if you need a new set of tires for the winter, head over to McCoy's and Radford. And they even offer pickup and drop-off service if you can't get there from work, which is really nice convenience to have. So head over to McCoy's Auto Repair for all of your vehicle maintenance needs this season or give them a call. The number's right on the screen. You can see it, 540-639-2933. You can also find them on Facebook. Quick, quick Facebook search, you'll find them. McCoy's Auto Repair, just like that old hokey buddy of yours. McCoy's is a name you can trust. ACC notes. Florida State, I said they they kind of crushed Syracuse after a little bit of a slow start. 
Duke whipped NC State. Pitt shocked Louisville. UNC beat Miami, and Tech beat Wake. Not not so so much. There's a handful of teams on by. Other notable games: Iowa did beat Wisconsin to take that number one spot in the Big Ten West, fifteen to six. <laughs> that is that is typical Big Ten West score right there. None of the QBs in the game, there were three of them, uh, were any good. Deacon Hill, the quarterback for the winning team, threw for 37 yards. <laughs> That's how this went. Iowa ran for 200. They would have shut down the Wisconsin offense. Just two for 17 on third down for the Wisconsin offense. You want to talk about ineptitude on third down. Damn, that is that is one of the worst ratios I've seen this year. Illinois beat Maryland 27-24 to in a last-second field goal. Always Kind of nice to see Maryland go down. That's just that's the way I feel. Uh, and Illinois had been on the struggle bus, so that was, a, that was a big win for them. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State all kind of cruised. I, I said Georgia looked the most shaky of that group, uh, first Mandy, but they all they all won by a lot. And Michigan is starting to look. We talk about Death Star status, right? Michigan is starting to look Death Star status. They were scoring at will on what has been a pretty decent Indiana defense, and it was it was no problem for Michigan. OK, State took down Kansas. That was a big win for Gundy. Is he back? Is Gundy back? Four and two on the year now are the Pokes after suffering that uh, early season embarrassing loss. I think it was to South Alabama. Bean had five touchdowns for Kansas. 410 yards. He is, he's probably the best backup quarterback in the country, Jason Bean, but uh, they just want the other guy back so bad because he's even better. Uh, but he couldn't do, outdo Ollie Gordon's what a name, Ollie Gordon, the quarterback for OK State, 300 total yards and two touchdowns for him. Um, that, yeah, he's the, he's the running back for, for OK State, Ollie Gordon. The quarterback Bowman was pretty darn good. 336 yards and two touchdowns there. JMU stays undefeated. They were playing a tough Georgia Southern team this past weekend. Didn't look like it. You want to talk about teams being a wagon? People call Washington is a wagon. Ohio is the joke Tom Fernello always used is a wagon. JMU is a freaking wagon, man. They are they are cruising right now. Their quarterback, McLeod, had a 93 QBR. That was the third highest of the weekend. They played great, and they're still currently ineligible for postseason play right now, which is just so stupid. Florida beat South Carolina despite Rattler having a good day. Shane with a little bit of a bad look in the postgame presser. He kind of went down this list of everything they did wrong, guys not getting the right pressures and whatever. But at no point in the clip that I saw, the one that was going viral on Twitter, did he say, it was on me. I failed the kids. It, like, I have to do better. Like, I didn't see that. There was a lot of pointing fingers for Shane, and a lot of people were kind of calling him out on it. So the honeymoon may be over for a Beamer down in, down in Columbia. That's right, right? Columbia, South Carolina? Yeah. Houston beat WVU, 41-39. to Holgo gets some revenge there. Thanks to that Hail Mary. And West Virginia was overdue for a loss. They had been kind of, they'd been playing really well, but probably a little bit better record than than their team is actually good for. TCU got a bounce back win. I said they were a mess last week and they had been looking like a mess, but they spanked BYU 44 to 11. I said Air Force beat Wyoming. I kind of think Wyoming is the better team still, just because of the spot in the season. They will probably they could play again 
I mean, that Mountain West, you've got Air Force, you've got Wyoming, you got Fresno. And it's going to be really cool to see who ends up in that championship game. But I still think Wyoming is the best team in that conference. But they didn't beat Air Force this past weekend. Finally, I've got Tulane beating Memphis, 31-21. And they're the tops in the American right now. It's SMU, it's Tulane, it's Memphis. We got two of those teams ranked. And that'll that'll move me to my AP poll. Let me pull it up for you guys. Okay, here's week seven is in the books. We've got Tulane at number 23 and Air Force at number 22. So we get those two G5 teams right towards the back end of the rankings. Iowa pops in at number 24, and they deserve to be. They only have one loss on the year. And UCLA still sitting at number 25. I'm not really sure why 4-2 and two UCLA is, is in the poll, but that's whatever. JMU should be there. If any team should be number 25, it's JMU. They're undefeated. They're actually number 26, I believe, in the votes. Clemson was at 27. We see Washington State, Kansas, Kentucky, and Miami dropped out of the poll. So we've got six Pac-12 teams, six SEC teams, just four ACC teams now that Miami is out. Louisville remains in, and they should, I think, um, even though they lost to a bad team. Like they, they only have the one loss, and, and they did beat Notre Dame. And then you got four Big Ten teams as well. Just two Big 12. It is That is Oklahoma and Texas's conference, and that is so funny considering both those teams are gone after this year. But they are clearly the two best teams in that conference. UNC is number 10. Oregon State is up to 12. As I said, USC drops down to number 18. And the top the top two loss team is Notre Dame and number 15. Yes, LSU also has two losses. They are at number 19. But I think that's an actually a really interesting toss-up. Is like Who is the better team? between Notre Dame and LSU right now. Who are you taking? Cuz I'm I'm thinking I'm taking LSU. That is that offense is is on cruise control right now and Notre Dame's having trouble scoring points even against a bad defense. It, well, I shouldn't say that. They're having trouble getting yards. They didn't need so many yards cuz of the turnovers. So maybe that game's not the best example, but I would love to see an LSU and Notre Dame matchup because those two lost teams are both very good. All right, that's going to do it for the AP poll reaction. Let's go to my playoff four. Here we go. There is no change. And I know that seems weird after a weekend where Washington and Oregon play. We get some clarity. Washington beats Oregon. But I don't feel like I got so much clarity because Oregon kind of screwed it up. They were on the road and they only lost by three. And so... Oregon actually has the easier path to run the table for the rest of their games than Washington does. And I think if they play at a neutral site, and if they had played at a neutral site, Oregon might've won that game. So I come out of the weekend and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I probably need to put a Washington into my playoff four. I kind of go through the exercise. I look at the schedules and I'm just like, I think they're going to play again. And I think Oregon is going to beat them. That's that's just how I feel right now. And so I couldn't reasonably put Washington in there. But now Oregon has a loss and has some tough games down the stretch. So I couldn't put Oregon in there. So I'm still banking on the tide, rolling through the rest of their schedule, beating Georgia in the championship game, because I just don't think Georgia is that great. And they'll be in the playoff four. So I've got Michigan one, Oklahoma two, 
which that is that's the shakiest one for me because Texas could beat them in in the title game and but Texas could also catch another loss, beat them in the title game, and, and Oklahoma could still potentially make it. Florida State, I've got it number three. I think they're going to run the table, though Duke poses a challenge. And UNC, or whoever they play in that championship game, will also pose a challenge because Florida State is flawed as well. The only team I'm feeling good about, and I've had them in there from the beginning, is Michigan. But they they got two monster games to in, in the rest of the season as well. So I kept everything status quo from last week. We'll see how things change next week. I also want to let you guys know that College Football Monday is brought to you by Compass Coffee. They've got 16 locations in D.C. and Northern VA, and they're becoming the go-to cup of joe in the nation's capital. They were founded by two Marines back in 2014 with a simple goal to make a great cup of coffee that points you in the right direction every day, kind of like a compass. They are offering our listeners 20% off their first order using code 2DVT, so go to their site. Load up your cart and use code 2DVT for 20% off your order. They also have a great app. So download the Compass Coffee app and use that as well. Load up your cart. Compass Coffee, great coffee, doesn't have to be complicated. Let's talk about this next upcoming week's games because there is a big one here. We got Penn State at Ohio State, top 10 matchup. Ohio State, four and a half point favorites in the shoe. This is really tough to pick, man. I feel like I got to go with Penn State. We've seen James Franklin struggle in these Ohio State games, in the big games. He has struggled. He has made bad calls. There's been some games where he's just plain gotten out coached. But I think Penn State can cover four and a half. Penn State's starters are nasty. They might not have as much depth as Michigan or Ohio State. But Penn State starters are nasty. I think they can cover the spread. They may win the game outright. This is a huge test for Kyle McCord playing his home state team here. And well, that's actually not right because Kyle McCord went to high school at St. Joe's Prep in Philly, but he's actually from the next town over for me in Jersey. So he's actually a Jersey kid, but he's playing a local team in Penn State. And I think Penn State might get them here. It's it's going to be a question of can Franklin out coach day and, and both of these coaches have had question marks right throughout their careers. Can they, can they win the big one? Have they always had their team prepared in the right way? And we've seen Ohio state struggle at different times this year. We haven't seen too much struggling from Penn state. So I'm going to, I would take, I'm going to take Penn state against the spread as my picks go into this week. But uh, man, that's going to be fun. Tennessee at Alabama, that's always a good one. And I'm not counting Tennessee out at all. They are nine-and-a-half-point underdogs going to Bama. But Bama's another one of those top teams that's not perfect this year. That should be fun. Michigan at Michigan State always provides a little bit of excitement. However, the spread this year is 24-and-a-half. We saw Michigan State beat Rutgers. Oh, no, they didn't beat Rutgers. They almost beat Rutgers. That game was, was wacky. And I, I'm not even sure I have the score right, but I think Rutgers came back to win that game. Michigan State, 24 and a half win underdogs at home. Man, that is that is a rough look. That's a rough look. Duke at Florida State. Florida State, 14 point favorites. That's a lot. That is a lot for a Florida State team that that doesn't play complete games all the time. Kind of like Duke on that line, but we'll see. Utah at USC. Ooh. 
These teams always play some interesting games. And the lines for these games are always kind of funny. So this game, it's USC, five and a half point favorites. That's being attributed to Utah not really having a quarterback and maybe USC in that bounce back spot. But uh, that might be too many points too. I, I don't know what to do with that game. Clemson at Miami is the last one I'll mention. Someone here is getting a third loss. That's what for Dabo or Cristobal, someone is about to be under some serious heat because they're about to take a third loss. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what, what's going to go on there. Oh, this is great. Okay. Thank you, Sean, for adding this to the chat. Drones PFF grade was 87.6 fourth best this weekend. So screw that QBR. It was under 50. And I know that they take into account the opponent and wake hasn't been good, but I don't know why the QBR was that low. It was, it was like 47 or something low, 48. So an 87.6 PFF grade seems more appropriate for what drones just put out there on the field, just looking at the normie stats and with my eyeballs, because the guy, the guy did look awesome. Uh, and I am, I'm just wondering which we've heard a lot of comps for Chiron drones over the weeks. We've kind of looks like a Gerard Evans clone kind of looks like uh, who uh, Brian Randall a bit. There's, there's been other comps here and there. Quincy Patterson, Hendon hooker. Uh, that's, I don't know which guy he resembles the most. He might just be his own unique blend because he's got power running the football. He's got some speed running the football. And only guy that kind of had that, I guess, was Gerard. And Gerard was a better thrower. So right now, I'll give the edge to Gerard. But you got to keep in mind that Evans had played a lot of college football before he got to Tech. Drones had. Drones is in his, just had his fifth start, I want to say. Where Where is his ceiling? Because we might not even be scratching the surface of what he can do. When Gerard came in, he was a four-star Juco player. Like he was an older, mature player. And it showed. It's a reason we had such a good season in 2016. Drones' potential is just off the charts. And maybe maybe I'm being a little too much of a victim of the moment, but we saw him do five touchdowns versus Pitt, and that's a decent defense. Wake, they have a terrible offense. They had a decent defense, especially against the pass coming into this game and the efficiency numbers anyway. And, and clearly some of this stuff, we're only five games in, six games in. How good are these defenses? Well, it was the one thing Pitt and Wake were doing well was defense, and Drones tore them both up. So that makes me feel really, really good. And two complete games out of our last three, I'm feeling better about bowl eligibility. Syracuse is going to be a blast. It's a Thursday nighter. Fans are going to be fired up. They're reeling. Syracuse is going to be playing its third straight road game. They had to play at UNC then at FSU, and now in Blacksburg. That is a ton of travel, even with the bye week. It's not a full bye week because it's a Thursday night game. So they got to get back from Florida. Then they got to come to Blacksburg by next Thursday, and that's after going to UNC the week before. They're going to be exhausted. Gadsden's out for the year. They've lost some weapons. So I'm starting to – and I think SP Plus gives us a 50% shot versus, versus Syracuse, and I think it might be better than that. I got to check the line here. But I'm excited about what we could do the rest of the season. If we keep if we keep getting good drones and we get less bad Bowen, we're going to a bowl. 
Like I, I'm really starting to think we can get three more wins because there's there's just the bottom of the ACC isn't good. You some might call it garbage, and I'm cool being on the top of that garbage pile. <laughs> call me the garbage pail kids. Isn't that what they were called back in the day? Those those nasty cards. We can be the garbage pail kids. Let's go to the top of that pile, man. Because we're we're playing some good football on both sides these last these last three weeks. Uh, save for the rush D against Florida State. Let's just just forget about that. All right. If you join me today, thank you so much. Please like the video. I see we've got a good number of people here in the chat. If you could all just click that like, it would help us out. Please subscribe to the Sons of Saturday feed. We're going to be bringing a ton of content, including some really cool basketball content in the next couple of weeks. You got to stay tuned for all that. Basketball season could be really fun. The stuff I'm hearing out of camp, out of out of the practices, it it seems like we'll have some really cool additions that we didn't see last year. You know, the transfer portal guys we brought in. It's going to be fun. Plus, you get Couture back, you get Padula back. Can't wait for our basketball coverage this year. So tune in for our next show. Me and Robbie will be probably releasing that this Thursday. And then next week, we're going to get two quick shows out before the Thursday nighter. So you'll get a lot of content from the 2D feed in the next few weeks. But make sure you like and subscribe to Sons of Saturday. Thanks for joining me, guys. I'll talk to you soon.